Welcome to the fourth episode of Demol Belgi Argentina Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who loves nothing more than hanging around Argentinian graveyards, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and it is an actual appropriate intro for you. I'm not exaggerating that Logan walking around graveyards is an actual thing. Not for a few years now. I put a stop to it. After the lawsuit. After the lawsuit, yeah. <laughs> after my la- after I drew a pentagram or something, they just were like, no, that's enough. You're restraining order against going to graveyards, cemeteries. After you just made a slight voodoo shrine in a graveyard, for some reason people had a problem with that. Yeah, and I hired a few people to create a mausoleum for me in the Philippines, and then, man, there's this big uproar on social media. I just want my own mausoleum. God. So, we are almost halfway through this season already, and I cannot believe that I'm saying that. Yeah, it goes... That's the one good thing about the mall, unless, like, the second season of the American version, or I guess the new, uh, or the not new anymore, but the one season of the Mall Australia that they did, where you don't have to put up with a gigantic episode order each season. No, this is eight episodes for us, and um, and then we move on. But it's really weird going back and knowing that this is the first episode with a properly iconic challenge. Because we have this one, we have the pizza one, and the the subway one. I was trying to think, there's three iconic challenges. This is the first episode with one of them. Yeah, the su- yeah the subway one was probably second. I would probably put just behind the music challenge. So previously, six of the final eight tried to avoid being shot by blind paintballers, while Hannah and Manuela buzzed along the wire. Everyone lost their mind on a hike before arguing over the first exemption of the season. Nobody took it, meaning everyone was vulnerable at the execution, but it was Manuela who was sent home. And the group now fly from Salta to Buenos Aires for the next stage of the game. Papa Bear's introduction goes into the bus radio, recapping why everyone could be the mole so far. At least he didn't reveal any of the really subtle sabotages. <laughs> no, although I think he did actually reveal one of the actual sabotages, if I remember rightly. I'm not pointing out which one, obviously. Yeah, one of them was a legit production plan sabotage. <laughs> it would have been funnier if they said, or was it this person who was sequestered by production right before the challenge to do this? <laughs> now, what would have been really funny is if um, he would have gone through all the final seven and then um, and then went, or is it Ruth, who appeared to be executed <laughs> in episode two? Who faked her own paint bombing. <laughs> And has been living in the trunk of the car and has been slightly off camera for all challenges since the start of the game. <laughs> is it Mark who is hiding in his sleeping bag on the back seat? <laughs> <laughs> or was it the 11th contestant who got trapped underneath the banana boat? <laughs> Spoilers for the rest of the season, which obviously we've not recorded yet. Even though Mark went home in episode two, I'm going to just keep doing these Mark and the Sleeping Bag jokes because they make me laugh so much. Like when I was rewatching episode two, I was going, this is a perfect joke for us because nobody can tell us off for being stupid with this one. <laughs> he, he created the joke himself. Well, exactly. I had completely forgotten about Mark's gay paddock and I am going to absolutely run that joke into the ground. So Papa Bear does meet them at breakfast on day eight and he's looking for two people with a good nose. Bruno says that he has no sense of smell, and Stein says he smells everything first, so they choose him and Thibaut to do that challenge. And the group joke that they will be doing everyone's laundry, and they actually are. The other five have a musical challenge and must split into two people with great musical knowledge, and the three others. 
They choose Bruno and Isabel for the music challenge, leaving Kathy, Hannah, and Jill as their trio. And everyone gets their laundry ready for Stein and Thibaut. By the time Papa Bear checks on the pair, they have done everything, and he said that they should have smelt it beforehand, because that's what their challenge will all be about. But first we'll get to the iconic bit, because it's a really, really fun challenge. So Bruno and Isabel are brought to the local radio studio. They will be able to see Kathy, Hannah, and Jill in the lobby of the hotel, and have to play songs to guide them to three locations in Buenos Aires, where street musicians will be waiting with two pieces of music for them to collect. And this is where probably the most chaotic challenge of the season begins. So Julio Iglesias, that must mean church, right? Oh my days. I had forgotten how utterly frustrating this challenge is. Like, it's a brilliant challenge, obviously, and it's one of the most meticulously planned challenges I've ever seen in any show. But God, it's frustrating with these people involved. I know, they have, they plot the car with a GPS tracker. Uh, There's a camera in the hotel for Isabel and Bruno to see. And then the fact that they, we get to see like how the contestants react to the songs that are being played. It's, it's all planned out very well. And they did give them a sufficient amount of time. It wasn't an impossible challenge by any means. I would say actually both sides didn't do the best job with the songs they picked or how they interpreted them. Especially when Return to Sender by Elvis Presley is, is, <laughs> is heard by little young Hannah, who does not listen to that much music, thinks it is Return to Sender. <laughs> like, seriously, there is a very good reason Hannah wasn't chosen for the good musical knowledge team. But, oh my god, she has zero musical knowledge. And I say this, having met her last year... I'm pretty sure she was the one you, she was one of the ones you cornered at the uh, at the after party. But yeah, she's lovely, but God, she has no musical knowledge. Yeah, I wouldn't even. It may not even be an age thing at all. I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she really listens to any music. In her role as a children's party planner, she probably knows all of the nursery rhymes and like head, shoulders, knees, and toes and stuff. B i n g o b i n g o. But she doesn't know Return December. She doesn't know Bohemian Rhapsody, which is an absolute crime. Bohemian Rhapsody is like, probably if you made like the top 10 most recognizable songs of the past, I don't know, 30 years, I'd assume Bohemian Rhapsody would... I guess the the movie of the same title didn't come out for another, what, two years after filming? But it, it, already, it already was a mega hit when it first came out, and then Wayne's World made it a mega hit again, like 15 years later, and the fact that, what, I think in Europe it would be that much more popular too. No word of a lie, Bohemian Rhapsody has come top of the poll twice now, I think it is, in the past four years, of the best British song ever recorded. Well, this is also the same show where they heard Careless Whisper by George Michael and they could not piece that together. So maybe Belgians just don't like British musicians. That is very true. But also... There is no excuse for not knowing bow rap. I can kind of get Rocket Man when Hannah later shouts "Candle in the Wind." <laughs> that made me laugh pretty good. Well, the, the thing in in their defense, it was near the beginning of the song before the iconic part. Also, a song with a biopic. Maybe that. Maybe <laughs> I wonder if Hannah watched either biopic. If she watched either Bohemian Rhapsody or uh, or Rocket Man. 
or if it's just like PTSD from this challenge. So she stayed far away from the movie theaters when, <laughs> when both of these biopics were released. Maybe Bohemian Rhapsody hasn't just been awarded the title of Best British Song twice. It is also the first song in UK chart history to chart at number one in two separate years with the exact same version. Yeah. When it became the 1975 UK Christmas number one, which is the year it was released, and then it was uh, 1990, I think. For Wayne's World. Yeah, it's also the only single ever to be um, Christmas number one twice in the UK. I like how they used Mike Myers in the biopic. 1991 it was uh, for the for the second time yeah. not 1990 i shall commit sudoku so bruno and isabel have 90 minutes to send them to the locations but they are not given any instruction when they're waiting in the lobby for their challenge and they decide quite logically to play a belgian song to try and get their attention at which point kathy works out that they're playing the songs and isabel spots her get her diary out as is classic kathy and just <laughs> despairs that this is going to be a nightmare challenge yeah, she's already taking notes <laughs> Everyone sit in the same chair while I take notes about this song. I want all the lyrics. I want the first letter of each line. <laughs> Is there actually a worse person in Belgian mole history to try and guide in this task than Kathy? I can't think of one. Uh, maybe if the mole was in the same group as Kathy, too. <laughs> like, Kathy is so unbelievably laser-focused, and it's why she's good at the game. But, oh my god, she is so laser-focused that this is not a good challenge for her. Avita Perone. Avita Perone. Guys, guys. I just heard My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. That's got to do with Avita Perone. What is that? Is that Whitney Houston? Uh, I, I, all I think of, woman who died, Avita Perone. <laughs> Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, that was in The Bodyguard. Evita Perone had bodyguards. Trust me on, on this, guys. I've got to go to Recoleta. <laughs> and the thing is, as much as we love exaggerating on this sort of a challenge, we're not exaggerating. That is genuinely Kathy's logic on these things. It's brilliant. Every little step by Bobby Brown plays. <laughs> okay, Evita Perone took steps when she walks. <laughs> we gotta go. It's a Vita Perone, Recoleta Cemeterio, pronto. Guys, Eminem's lose yourself. Eminem starts with an E, so does it, Vita Perone. You've got to trust me on this. <laughs> Why else would they play this song? I can't think of no other reason. <laughs> Why are they just. Uh, <laughs> how the hell could that be planetary? <laughs> So they realise that there is a taxi outside waiting for them, and inside they do find a letter actually telling them what to do. At each location they'll find a musician with two pieces of sheet music. After the 90 minutes are up, an accordion player will play any music that they found, and Isabel and Bruno can earn 500 euros per song that they identify that is played by Weird Al. The first location is Casa Rosada, which, as the presidential palace... Logically, they play Pink's Dear Mr. President, because pink obviously is the colour of Casa Rosada. See, the first three song choices they make were really good. Play a Flemish song, then play a song about taxis, and then play Dear Mr. President by Pink. Great logic. However, they're guiding Kathy, And as soon as she hears Dear Mr. President, she goes, President, if eat it for her own, gotta go to Recoleta, guys. I've been there. It's amazing. <laughs> Maybe she just really loves Recoleta Cemetery. She hasn't had a chance to go there yet, and it was just an excuse. Come on, guys. Just give me 20 minutes. 
Kathy said repeatedly that she'd been to Recoleta before and it was amazing and she just wanted to go back. She just wanted to bring her new her new Flemish friends to um to go see her favourite place in Buenos Aires. <laughs> the Abelisco wasn't enough. The thing is, by this point in the season, I was hard on Kathy as my mole. I will say that now. Like the fact that she'd been to Buenos Aires before, the fact that she just seemed to be laser focused and constantly sabotaging at every opportunity was like, it's got to be Kathy, surely. I wonder how I would be during this challenge if I, like, I can see why you'd have Tunnel tunnel Visi if uh, if you had been to Buenos Aires before, because you think, oh, I, I know the major landmarks in the city. And since I've spent a, I've spent a week there between, split between Buenos Aires and La Plata, I'd probably be thinking thinking the same thing where I'm really sure of myself as to where I would be expected to go. Yeah, I, I wonder whether Kathy was disappointed when she found out that she was going to Argentina again. Because I think if you're doing an adventure like this, you kind of want to go to somewhere you've not been before. If you've been to Argentina, though, very, very good chance you don't go to uh, Huehue, Jujue, or uh, Salta in that area. Typically, it's Buenos Aires and then Patagonia are going to be the two locations you go to if you're traveling through Argentina. Salta's not really known for major uh, major tourism, especially from from people overseas. Hey, Salta was uh, one of the one of the stops for uh, race across the world this year. Just saying, right? But it's not going to be like as like if you only get to have say three or four days in Argentina or five days for a vacation or even a week. Probably going to be Buenos Aires, and then you're going down to Patagonia. It did make me laugh when they opened the card and saw that they were heading to northern Argentina, and someone who was probably my favourite of the season immediately went, wine and steak, I know exactly why we're going there. I cannot wait. <laughs> She's the second coming of Brooke Hamhai. <laughs> this is why you need to watch that season. <laughs> so yeah, Kathy thinks it's Recoleta, but the driver actually takes him to the correct place because he completely ignores Kathy as he probably should do in this challenge. Uh-huh. And Bruno next looks for a song by Magda and Hugo, which was very interesting because Magda and Hugo is not an artist in any stretch of the imagination. Do you know who Magda and Hugo are? Nope. We've definitely discussed Magda before because Magda and Hugo were the first two Belgian moles. Oh! Hmm. And I literally only know that because Magda was rumoured to be a clue in the Mexico season, so I was vaguely aware that the first two were Magda and Hugo. And I twigged it when I watched this episode again. Hmm. And at Casa Rosada, Jill spots the musicians and grabs the first two pieces of sheet music with an hour left, so they are right on target. And now it all falls apart, because the second location is the Galileo Galilei Planetarium, and Jill is a map to help them try and navigate the streets of Buenos Aires. <laughs> and, you know, without any instruction whatsoever, Kathy, Hannah, and Jill just decide to go to Recoleta for funsies, because Kathy's been there before and she kind of wants to just play tour guide. Yeah. And it's at this point that the challenge just basically becomes confirmation bias the challenge because they play Stairway to Heaven. Kathy interprets it as a reference <laughs> to dead people. <laughs> so obviously a cemetery. <laughs> they play Bohemian Rhapsody, which Hannah doesn't even know. I will have to say Bohemian Rhapsody was a pretty bad song choice just because it's all you're basing it off of is the words Galileo and the lyrics. You got to go with either song title or artist. It is. But also, Kathy just interprets Bo Rap as Evita coming from a poor family. So she's just interpreting it from the lyrics as well. <laughs> she's interpreting it from the line, 
he's just a poor boy from a poor family rather than Galileo, 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 Figaro. She knows a lot about Evita Perón. She really does. She's obsessed with Evita. <laughs> wonder if she listens to a lot of Madonna, if Madonna were to play too. <laughs> Madonna, Madonna played Evita Perón. <laughs> and when they realize that uh, they're going the wrong way, Bruno and Isa just decide to play Stop in the Name of Love. Which they ignore anyway, and to try and stop them again, Bruno and Isabel play Rocket Man, and Hannah immediately identifies it as Candle in the Wind, which was of course written about Marilyn Monroe, and dead people, therefore Evita. <laughs> then it was re-recorded for Princess Diana, and obviously Princess Diana, fallen princess, she's dead, therefore it's got to be a reference to Evita. Yeah. And finally, after about 20 minutes of driving around, they start doubting themselves, and Hannah spots the planetarium on the map. And Jill and Kathy just just absolutely doubt that she's right and ignore her. Yeah. Planetarium, we'll, we'll go there. You definitely want to see Avita Perel. <laughs> Unless Avita Perel went to that planetarium. <laughs> yeah, and Kathy Ka- and Jill just doubt that she's right. And then when they do eventually get to the planetarium, Kathy sees a sign to say that Avita Perel opened it and then just wants to take the direct letter anyway. <laughs> I like when Hannah's like, yeah, I think it's planetarium, guys. And then they're like, well, why would anyone go to a planetarium? I've never been to one in Belgium. Have you guys been to one in Belgium? No. That's a big fucking waste of time. Who goes to a planetarium on holiday? Yeah. He says, having been to the Johnson Space Center when I was in Texas. (laughs) And it was fucking awesome. Were there any pictures of Vita Perón there at the Space space, uh, Museum? Yeah, weirdly, there was a plaque outside saying uh, Evita Perón always wanted to come to Johnson Space Center and you immediately need to go to Recoleto when you're in Buenos Aires. And then etched right beside that sign, what did it say? Kathy was here? It said, don't cry for me, Houston, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) So they do eventually play a song called Satellite Susie, at which point everyone finally trusts Hannah enough to go to the planetarium. After three clues. Three big clues. <laughs> After three massive clues, where Hannah and Kathy go looking for the musicians, and Issa says that they're doing really well, they're going everywhere so quickly. Which basically suggests that she's been listening to Thibaut and starting to um, to let him make her decisions, because they did not get there quickly, they are not doing very well. Right. So they do find the street music eventually, and the third clue is the Ministry of Health. At which point, they played the song that everyone's been waiting for, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Only because the Ministry of Health has a massive portrait of Evita on it. And that is a terrible choice when Recollet is a pretty famous landmark in Buenos Aires. Yep. I cannot actually defend them for this. It's a terrible choice. That was a very molly choice. And then obviously they go to Recollet again. And Hannah, in all her naivety, says it's lucky that Kathy and Jill suggested the cemetery. She would have had no idea about it. <laughs> she does now after hearing about it nonstop for 90 minutes. Oh god, can you imagine being in a taxi? Can you imagine being in the back of the taxi with Kathy talking about every minute detail of uh, of Evie Sperone's life? You don't need to go on the Wikipedia page anymore. Kathypedia strikes again. <laughs> Have you seen Is it her diligent note-taking? It's not even notes about the other contestants, it's just notes about Evita Perone and how the contestants act like Evita Perone, and that Evita Perone is actually the mole. Evita the mole. And then weirdly they play like a virgin and Kathy goes, oh my god, it's definitely either a church, because Julio Iglesias, or alternatively, 
it's Madonna, she played Ava Perone, therefore it's <laughs> gotta be her. I like how they found the one woman who speaks English, and then she says, well, it's a song by Julio Iglesias, and it's like, well, they want to go to Julio Street, but then she's like, well, the, his last name's Iglesias, so probably Iglesias Church. Julio Iglesias actually wasn't a bad choice for the song. No, it was, it was a decent choice. I mean, it's just it's just a shame that there was a coin flip and they went with the last name instead of the first name. Yeah, it's just that you have three people who are very much mauling in this challenge and just trying to tease each other. Mm-hmm. And just are being super ignorant and going, yeah, it's definitely Iglesia. And then time runs out. Yeah, they go into the cemetery, they can't find anyone, unsurprisingly. And Iz and Bruno try a different tactic, getting the DJ to mention Julio, which is the street's name. Julio. Can you say Julio when you play it on the radio? Only problem, Hannah's in the car and she just ignores everything. <laughs> Hannah is a very naive contestant, I will say. Yeah, she's like, I don't remember who the name is, even though she said it, she muttered it under her breath. <laughs> like, they, they've they obviously, since the season, had a run of really young females and it is an archetype that they play in. But I don't think they've ever had anyone as naive as Hannah. Yeah. And then the doors, this is the end plays. And then Hannah says, Who, who's this? I've never heard this song before. <laughs> You've got the even better thing first, which is they play Return December. Hannah obviously has no idea what it is. And then Isa loses her patience and gets the DJ to play Go to Hell next. <laughs> <laughs> like, screw you guys. I wonder what her reaction would be if she heard Hannah say Return December. <laughs> the even better thing about when they play Go to Hell is obviously. Kathy interprets it as them needing to go to the church because it's the way to not have to go to hell. Although they do, I think she also said, I'm pretty sure this is a message for us and it's not a nice one. <laughs> and then, yeah, they play The Doors, This Is The End, and even Bruno playing This Is The End makes Kathy think of death. Yeah, she's like, why is everything about dying? <laughs> So they all get taken to the theatre, and Isabel and Bruno are played the four pieces of music which they all collected, and for each one that they identify, they earn 500 euros for the pots. And the first one is a now-mole classic of ABBA's Dancing Queen. Yeah. Which, if you've seen the end of the Vietnam season, you will know is an iconic song now in mole history, thanks to our wonderful, dopey friend Axel. Yeah. You are the dancing queen Young and sweet, only 17. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is just kind of telling the masseur to just thump him as much as possible. (laughs) Use that lamp. Just hit him over the head with it. So the second one is Daft Punk's Get Lucky, and Izzo knows the title, but guesses that it's Mika. And if you didn't know that this, this show was based in Western Europe, now you do. Mika. Yeah, because nobody outside of Western Europe has heard of Mika. For at least 10 years. <laughs> yeah, do you know what Mika's up to now? No idea. The last song I had, I think I may have even been in high school, so that was over 10 years ago. Last I heard, he was on the French and Italian versions of The Voice. Yeah, I don't think a person in Argentina is going to be playing Mika songs. <laughs> And then the third one is Smells Like Teen Spirits, which they get correct. What I'm saying. <laughs> but then obviously Kathy hears 
um, hears wake me up and thinks we need to go to Recoleta because if we go there, Ava Peron has the chance to wake up as a zombie and like it's got to be Recoleta, guys. We get it. <laughs> it's like in North Korea. You know in North Korea with the library how every every book is written by Kim Il-sung? Yeah. That's what it's like with all of these songs that that uh, Kathy hears. She just thinks it's all by Avita Perone. Avita Perone wrote every single pop song known to man. Do you think that if this challenge was in a later season, those songs would have been a reference to them all? Those four. I think they would. Yeah. They'd probably slip it in slip it in somehow. I think at least one of those songs would have been a song that the mole chose as their driving music or something. Yeah, on their, the mole's playlist. Yeah, bearing in mind I cannot remember the clues at the end of this season, so I may very well have just kind of stumble-guessed onto that. But I don't think any of them were clues. I don't think so. It's tough. The clues are so subtle, I forget them pretty quick. I don't remember them being, put it that way. It had to be something really absurd and ludicrous. Yeah. Of course, Ludacris does remind, or Ludacris's songs do remind uh, Kathy of um, of Ava Perone for some reason. Yeah, Chris Ludacris bridges. Does that mean we go to the Moharis Bridge? <laughs> so yeah, "Wake Me Up" is is a song she says, and they get that one right for a total of fifteen hundred euros and possible three thousand for this challenge. And Jill correctly says that it's suspicious that Kathy brought up Recoletta straight away. Kathy blames Jill for them circling around Recoletta repeatedly, and she doesn't believe that Hannah could be the mole, and neither does Thibaut. Kathy and Jill as a duo are never successful. <laughs> no, and spoilers for the next episode, we do have Kathy and Jill being a pair or in a team again together. And it does not go well. <laughs> no, it doesn't, because Hannah is also involved in that challenge. Those three are a terrible trio. So, for Stein and Thibault's challenge, three days beforehand, the group went on their hike and all wore matching t-shirts and shouted at each other. Those t-shirts are now in sealed containers and for some reason have been brought with them in the hand luggage, evidently, from Salta to Buenos Aires. And to win €2,000 for the pots, Stein and Thibault need to match the sweaty shirt to each person. This challenge is revolting. Revolting but creative, and it's a fun little amusing challenge to do after a, an intensive one like the music challenge. It is. It's a very Belgian mole challenge, and they do obviously escalate this sort of challenge from next season onwards. But it's a really weird challenge, this one. I would never do that one. <laughs> it's just... it's nauseating. <laughs> I will say, this is, once again, Stein doing way too... just doing too well for his own good. It's another day where Stein's the only one who brought in money. Yeah, in the same way that I think they've never cast anyone like Hannah since Hannah... Mm-hmm. I would say they've never cast anyone like Stein because obviously they always have a young guy in the same way they always have a young girl. But the young guy is never this kind of contestanty. Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd was contestanty. Lloyd, Lloyd, I think was more contestanty than Stein. Maybe towards the end, but I, I don't think Lloyd was as consistently contestanty. And that is a very hard phrase to say, and you well know from recording with me, I stumble over phrases a lot and have to re-record them. <laughs> I am very impressed that I managed to get that phrase out in one go. Yeah. Lloyd always had a little bit of suspicion towards the start of the season before really switching it on at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Mainly thinking of the triathlon challenge and the iconic gif that I have of him in the final episode. But Stein, throughout 
the first four episodes at least, there is never any doubt in anyone's mind that Stein is a contestant. Yeah, even as is a before the quiz, she's like, I've never put a question on Stein, and that will not be changing. <laughs> no, he's constantly focused on just making money, and it's brilliant. But it's a terrible personal tactic because nobody ever suspects you. That loses your advantage of knowing whether you're the mole or not. It's a huge, yeah, it's a big deflection disadvantage. And I think, well, I think any content, future contestant who watched the season realizes, hmm, you have to do, you have to throw away some money just to improve your chances of winning. Yeah, I don't think they've ever cast anyone like Stein who will just solely focus on the part in his archetype. Maybe Lloyd, but even Lloyd had his, had his suspicious moments. What about in the American version? Was there, trying to think who was the most contestanty person in the American seasons. God, it's been a while since I've seen the American ones. I know. Maybe that needs to be our next project after this one. Yeah, figure out just certain categories, certain archetypes within the mall, the mall and what, what works and what doesn't. How people have won them all, other than picking the right person. <laughs> so yeah, this challenge is obviously disgusting, and as Logan said, Stein yet again takes control of the challenge and identifies a man's shirt from the deodorant. And when he puts it on uh, on Jill's mannequin, Papaver does tell him to be careful with Jill's wonderful hair. Yeah. I like how he just... He makes fun of contestants behind their backs. I know we obviously love Papaver, Gilles de Costa, on this podcast. We've made no secret of the fact that he's our favourite host of not just the mole of anything ever. But from minute one, he gets this show. And it's wonderful to see. Because he knows that a great mole host can take the piss a little bit out of the contestants. Not hugely. A little. Anderson Cooper was really good at that, too. That's something that Papa Bear and Anderson Cooper have in common, is that they just know how to be host, but also be, like, part of the, like, rooting for the contestants, I would say. You know who's a really good Australian uh, host for it is Jonathan LaPaglia from Survivor. I don't know if you've noticed how involved he gets in with the contestants, but he 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 always blends in really well. Or he's the host, but he also plays around with them too. Yeah, I would say that the best hosts of this sort of a show, and Papa Bear has this, Anderson had this, JLP has this, even Arissa Cox, they feel like one of the group rather than another. I think that's important Like with, with uh, Probst and uh, Phil Kogan. There's, uh, there's definitely that... Distance, yes, yeah, and and sure, yes. Phil like had Leo and Jamal on his bucket podcast, or Robin Brennan, but you still feel that division of I'm the host from the Amazing Race of this Emmy Award winning show, and you guys were contestants on it. Like we have a like I know you guys. You got like the more distinct contestants. He'll have that bond with. But the other 95% of the contestants who have been on the show, which I guess after 30 seasons, you naturally can't be buddy-buddy with everybody. But there's always that distance, except with the really important contestants. With with Jill's and with JLP, I feel like they w- could tell you everything from about people who were like first out to who won from each season, pretty much. From minute one, Papa Bear established best friends rather than a divide between host and contestants. He always describes them as best friends. And that is a very subtle way of becoming part of the group and it feeling like initially a group of 11 friends who are travelling around, but also one of them is doing some hinky shit on the side. Mm-hmm. I thought you said kinky for a second. I'm like, what show is this? <laughs> no, k- kinky shit is the 
Demol Belgi Argentina after show that we're recording later, Logan. <laughs> That's where we sit around talking shit about people and drinking cocktails. Obviously. While in sleeping bags. So oh yeah, so yeah, with Stein, yeah. He got five I was surprised. Get, gets five out of seven on the first try, and then aces all seven. And what makes Stein and well Tebow too pretty much eliminated as suspects is that this was such an easy challenge to lose. You could just say, I have a bad nose, I have a stepped up nose, I have a cold. They had no reason to to do well at this challenge. And they made it look easy. I would have a tough time with that. I couldn't tell you who smells like what. <laughs> but also, this is a really hard challenge for the other candidates to mole, because obviously the mole will have been aware of this. Mm-hmm. But they would have had to make sure that maybe they wore different deodorant, maybe they swapped deodorants with someone else, if it was a spray one. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you can actually sabotage this challenge. And I think the mole did try to sabotage this one. I think they did as well. I think I've just stumbled upon an actual sabotage, but... That's the only way I can think of doing it, is somehow masking your own smell. And it didn't work. (laughs) That's how much of a contestant Stein is. The best thing is, the second person we see them put a t-shirt on is Kathy, but they describe her as a woman with a strong scent. Don't tell her that. (laughs) That's another great path of Emma, where it's like, yeah, you really shouldn't let that leave this room. But we are filming (laughs) this, and 100% that's making the episode. It's a good thing she lives in Greece and not Belgium. (laughs) And interestingly, we also see them put um, a t-shirt on Bruno's mannequin after Kathy's, but Kathy's is empty when we see them put Bruno's on. Just lack of chronology with editing. Mm. That's something that they got really on top of from the next season, I think. Is yeah. We never really have any, any mistakes with, uh, with chronology after this season, but the, I've spotted a couple in the first two episodes. So they think they got two right, they actually got five right and two wrong, and Papa Bear gives them a second chance to win €2,000 with the people actually there later on. When the group returns to the hotel, Kathy correctly guesses that the challenge was comparing the smells of each other, and Papa Bear makes them stand in a line and gives Stein and Tibbo five minutes to sniff and grope everyone as much as they want, which Tibbo gets a bit handsy with. Uh-huh. And we find out that Hannah's bag is apparently full of mouldy smelling items. <laughs> it's a really bad episode for the girls, this one. Yeah, they're, uh, it's, it's not going to be on their dating profiles. Yeah, you have Isabel who ends up going home, spoilers. You have Kathy, who's described as a woman with a strong sense and obsessed with Evita. And then you have Hannah, whose uh, dirty laundry is literally aired in this episode when we're told that she has a bag full of smelly items. And they go with their instinct of switching Hannah off of bag full of mouldy items and Kathy off of woman with a strong smell. And it's correct, and they earn 2,000 euros for the pot. And then Papa Bear invites everyone to smell themselves. And then we go to the next challenge. <laughs> oh no, we have the evening of drinking first. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so in the evening everyone goes out drinking and there are muchos tequilas there's a lot of shots <laughs> interestingly I said this to you a couple of days ago when I started watching this episode again, Isabel looks even more drunk than normal <laughs> because Isa god bless her, has a bit of a resting drunk face every time you see her do a confessional she looks either drunk or stoned in this season it's a very fun thing to watch out for she can't, she uh, she can't hold her liquor as well as she can hold her poodle. No. And they end by singing Hey Jude to the camera for some reason. And they're told to shut up. They're told to shush like too loud. It's probably like 3am, I bet. But the really interesting bit of this is the fact that Bruno is actually seen smoking. Bruno smokes in that scene. Yeah, and they, they show them taking like pictures and stuff with random locals. Getting drunk with random locals on TV. 
I don't think in any other episode of any other season we've seen anyone smoking. There's been the occasional reference to it, like uh, Bart hating smoking in uh, in Greece, but we've never actually seen anyone smoke, I don't think, other than Bruno in this episode. I don't know. I, I swear there could have been a scene in South Africa where Davy was rolling a joint. Classic Davy. <laughs> but yeah, this is they get they. Get, I feel like this isn't the only night on Belgian Mole each season where the contestants get to be loose. I think they just show we just they just show one scene of it. I think every season. Yeah, loose definitely, but I don't think we've ever seen anyone smoke other than Bruno in this scene. Yeah, it's not something you want to promote on national TV, I guess. So on day nine. The contestants drive to La Plata, where the weather is a bit Belgian. As someone who spent six days in La Plata, the very first day it was pouring rain, and it rained, I think, three more days, so it's not Belgian weather, it's La Plata weather. And Papa Bear meets them at the Hippodrome. In today's challenge, they will be watching a horse race with two outcomes. Either the pot will get another up to €7,000, or someone will leave La Plata with an exemption. And they will each be assigned a horse, and whoever's horse wins gets the exemption, which they have to defend in the second part of the challenge. In the first part of the challenge, they will each do a 10-question quiz on famous horses, with each question worth €100. Euros. They pick the horses in the order that they finish their quizzes. And Bruno, Hannah and Isabel all immediately turn round, so they do no questions and just try and win the exemption. It's, it's Belgian voice. <laughs> it is. And I think they only got five questions right out of a possible 70. Yep, so Papa Bear calls them over one by one to find out which horse they've got. They can't tell each other because later the group will try and work out who had the winner. If they can hide their identity, they will earn the exemption. If not, the group earned the money. Papa Bear says only five questions were answered correctly, so they are playing for an astronomical 500 euros if they unmask the winner. Out of 7,000. <laughs> yeah, and everyone denies that they are the winner. How would you play this challenge? Uh, I wouldn't be silent. Hannah did a pretty good strategy of deflecting it right away, especially putting, putting it on Kathy. My instincts would be sit back a little bit more than Hannah did, but yet again, Kathy's legacy comes back to bite her in this challenge when everyone thinks it's probably Kathy because she's so fanatical. Mm-hmm. If you have a suspect like Kathy, you 100% try and steer the group to her. But if you don't, I think you just kind of sit back and hope that nobody really suspects you. And you know that the mole's going to play along with you, too. Yeah, you know for a fact that if you are not the mole, because obviously it's a complete luck challenge to try and win the exemption in the first place, but if you're not the mole, then at least you've got two people in your corner. And the mole was probably tipped off to who had the winner, so that means that they're not going to vote for you. So you only need to actually get two more votes to try and save this exemption. I think uh, one. I think that I feel like they should have had two shots at this. Or three. Or three. One in seven's way too low. Yeah, I, th- I feel like fireworks should have gone up for each suspicion. <laughs> and then if they don't get it correct, then whoever um, whoever was second in the race actually has to go home. <laughs> Poor Celine. So Hannah says she already has a suspect in Kathy, and Kathy despairs, even though it's basically her own fault, saying, it's always me. Yeah. <laughs> even Evita Perone was not as persecuted as I am. <laughs> and really the group didn't really have a shot at this Hannah Hannah succeeds with pinning it on Kathy and it's like everyone votes Kathy tried to throw out Is as a name it's still 4-3 Kathy and Hannah gets the exemption yeah this is the final kind of bastion of the 
impressive feud that we started last week with Kathy and Isabel just hating each other's guts. They really get into it again in this challenge. Isa gets pretty mad when Kathy throws out her name. Yeah, if if Isa hadn't been last week's banner, I probably would have made Isa this week's banner purely because of her reactions to Kathy. She's just so over Kathy's shit by this point in the season. I would say the feud is mainly Hannah and Hannah and uh, Isa against Kathy. That's pretty much been the theme the past couple episodes. Yeah, and then Thibaut gets involved defending Kathy. Yeah. But I think everyone else in the group is kind of tired of Kathy as well, so they then pile on Kathy. So you, you basically have Kathy voting for Isabel, Isa voting for Kathy, then Hannah voting for Kathy, obviously, because she allegedly suspects her. Thibaut voting for um, for Isa because for some reason he doesn't like Isa, and then the rest just kind of split to one. And it's Kathy who they think has the exemption, but it's Hannah. She wins the exemption and the astronomical sum of 500 euros is not earned which gives us a total of 3,500 of a possible 12,000 for the episode, and 25,000 dead out of 57,000 for the season so far. Do you see how crazy Hannah's veins were once she got the exemption? She's like, I felt my veins were going to pop out of my neck, and then you see her veins, it's like, holy crap, Hannah. (laughs) How did no one notice that? So crazy. (laughs) I swear she has the exemption. (laughs) But it's also interesting that they set this up even after the first challenge, because... We hear everyone basically say, oh, I don't think it could be Hannah. Hannah's not a good liar. And then we prove that Hannah is a very good liar. Yeah. And they still don't believe it, even after she gets exemption after the music challenge. Like, nah, nah. Hannah still played it too much as a contestant. So it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions in the mold. Whoever knows least goes home. Hannah can't go home because of her exemption. And neither can the mole unless the mole is Hannah. Bruno says he was shocked by how good a liar Hannah was. Kathy looked her in the eyes dead for 30 seconds and she didn't blink once. Gilles says Stein's book has a follow the money chart, just reinforcing Stein being a very, very big contestant here. Bruno is at the bottom of the follow the money. Stein says Thibaut could be a good mole as he's a little bit crazy. Thibaut says he knows who the mole is, given that this is basically the cut and paste Thibaut confessional every episode now. Thibaut knows who the mole is and who keeps manipulating the rest of the group. He has no doubt in his mind he knows who the mole is. Isa has ruled Hannah out, and she's never answered a question with Stein either. Bruno says he's sticking with his mole until the end. And then Papa Bear says that they're halfway through the adventure. Hannah is the first one to experience an execution with complete safety, as she has the exemption. And Thibaut, Jill, and Kathy all get green screens before Kathy's greatest nemesis, Isa, is sent home. And we get reminded of her and Mark nearly killing a cameraman in the first challenge. And also, for some reason, yeah, bitch, hold my poodle. <laughs> I I forgot she went home this early. I'd vaguely remembered that it was her and Manuela as three and four. I couldn't remember who was three, who was four. But she's a really big character, and she serves Kathy's narrative so well as well, because Kathy has a laser-focused nemesis up until this point in the season. She sets it up well for the for Kathy's first half of the season. Yeah, you forget how how much of Kathy's ire is just focused at Isa especially, but also Hannah in the first bit of this season. They really don't like each other. No. And I'd completely forgotten how much Isabella and Kathy get into it and how much they hate each other until I rewatched this season and went, oh my god, they really are going at it. If there weren't cameras there, they would probably be pulling each other's hoive. Maybe they did. <laughs> Who pulled my weave? <laughs> Unexpected uh, Real Housewives of SNL reference there. 
<laughs> so next time the loved ones arrive and Stein's girlfriend actually answered the call this time. And gets on the plane. Yeah, she she not just answers the call, but she gets on a plane. There is Tango, Bruno and Thibaut drinking, Stein describing art, Kathy memorizing things, Thibaut shouting, and a paintball game in a forest. So who do you think's going home next? Uh <laughs> pretty sure I know the boot order for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, I I know who five and six are. I think I can remember which one goes next, and I think it is, but I'm not a hundred percent. I can't remember who who goes home in fifth, who goes home in sixth. So that'll be fun for me to watch the next execution. <laughs> so have we got anything else to say? No, I think I'm good. Thank you for listening to our Demol Belgi recap. We'll be back next time to continue the hunt for the Argentinian mole. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at logsuperquacky, and I am MJ Harmstone. See you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the next of flavoring.